We're going to look uh, again this week at faith, and we're going to start, oh, I'm in uh, Romans chapter 4, we may get over there, but I'm going to start over in Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, and uh, talking about entering into the rest of God, entering into rest. Did you know that we are living in the seventh day? Like, you know, God worked, created the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day, he rested. Well, we are living in the seventh day. We are living in the day of rest. But even in this very day of rest, many people, maybe, I don't know, uh, because if I don't have facts, I don't like to say, but I kind of feel like you could almost say most people aren't living in rest, at least in our culture, and uh, probably definitely you could say in our region. <laughs> and so, but we're not to be that way. You know, if you don't act on the Word of God, if you don't um, activate your faith in the Word of God, well, then you may find yourself uh, living like the world lives, yet having the kingdom of God living on the inside of you, having access to all of the things of God, but you are maybe of, of all people most miserable because you know there's something more, but you're trying to access the more through your own abilities and through your own strength and through your, uh, how your emotions feel. Like if you feel like Sorry, that's in the way. If you, I wasn't upset. That's <laughs> in the way. If you, that was an emotion, that was an illustration there. If you feel like it's a good day in the Lord, if you feel like the Lord's hearing you, well, then it's a good day in the Lord and the Lord is hearing you. Well, uh, I guess that certainly is true. But did you know, like on the days when you feel like it's a horrible day and the Lord can't hear you, that those days are the days that you can have some of the most powerful experiences with God because God will pass over millions of people just to get to one person that is acting in trust and faith in him. Why is that? You know, I didn't come up with that. Wigglesworth came up with that, but he probably didn't come up with it. It came from the Spirit of God and from his experience. But the truth of the matter is, because the second that you enter into the territory where Jesus is Lord, it's impossible that the blessing wouldn't come. As soon as you act on the Word of God and you act on faith in the Word, well, then you actually have access to the promises of God that are in the Word. So he didn't put the promises there so we could read about, wow, Jesus must have had an amazing life as he walked on the earth and as he interacted and as he communicated. He must have like been amazing. What would it have been to see him? Well, that would have been amazing and it would have been pretty awesome, but it's written in the word. And so actually, because it's in the word, it transcends time. So you can actually visit where Jesus came and healed the lame man right here today in 2018 by the power of the Holy Spirit when you honor the word of God. And so in this day, we are to enter into rest. Let's begin with verse one, Hebrews chapter four. Let us therefore fear. How often do you read that in the Bible? Okay. Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest any of you should come short of it. So the will of God for you is to live a life of rest. And if you're coming short of it, uh, you know, the writer said, uh, let's fear. In other words, let's have reverence and let's have awe of this because there is a life 
that is beyond the life of pressure and turmoil where you don't know what to do and you're, you're kind of like confused and you feel like, oh, I know what, you know, what, what do they call that? Um, in the business world, a lot of times, uh, they'll call it, uh, you know, all I'm doing is putting out fires. I'm not doing anything new. You know, I have my private pilot's license when I got my private pilot's license. Um, it was a challenging thing for me to do. Because uh, not only do you have to study, like you normally, you take a ground test, you have to study all of these rules, all of these regulations, but not just that, like how do airplanes operate? How, how do you get, lift, what's lift, thrust, drag, like how does all of this work? And then the lights, what kind of the lights? You know, you can't be colorblind because you got landing lights, you have to be able to read the lights, all this type of stuff. And so there's all of this mental activity. And then you have to like know like when the radio comes on, uh, five nine or three, uh, we got you on. Da, 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 da. And you know, you get people in the airplane, and they're like, uh, "What did they just say?" <laughs> well, when you first get there, and you're the pilot, you're like, "What did they just say?" <laughs> so that's like a mental activity to understand what they're saying. But then on top of that, you have to add like now your arms and your legs have to move by your brain. So anyhow, I remember I was <laughs> I was learning and. <laughs> I would finish like the first times I would learn to fly. I wanted to schedule like the not and the first, not at first. And I'm like, no, I can fly every day. And I said, well, let's fly every day. And he's like, you can't fly every day, not in the first, not at first. And I'm like, no, I can fly every day. He's like, it'll wear you out. And I'm thinking, it's not gonna wear me out. Oh, my brain was like mush. I finished, and I'm like, oh. And so, you know, um, they have a saying, and typically you experience it when you first learned to fly, or at least I did, saying, you know, you need to get in front of the airplane. You're behind the airplane. Meaning, you're flying and you have, you know, your altitude, you have to hold your altitude because, you know, they put other planes 500 feet or 1,000 feet above you maybe going the opposite direction. And so if you're like off your altitude too much, you're going to veer into their flight path and, you know, you don't want to crash. And so uh, behind the airplane means like, all of a sudden there's a gust of wind or there's a thermal pushing you up and you're supposed to be at like 3,000 feet and all of a sudden you look down and you're at like 3,250 and you're still climbing up to like 3,500 and you're gonna approach perhaps other traffic. And so, um, so you like, you're like, oh, okay, I'm gonna push the nose down. So you start to go back down and you start to go back down and all you're like, okay, I'm going down. And then all of a sudden you're like, uh, 3,000, 2,900, Oh, I gotta come back up. And, and then what's happening? Every time you make a correction, you overcorrect. So now you're going, so you're what's called behind the airplane. So you're responding to the circumstances instead of you actually saying, no, I'm going to fly at 3,000 feet, and this is what we're going to do, and the airplane's going to respond to me. So in life, it's so easy because people will put endless, unlimited demands upon your time. Whether it's at work, whether it's social relationships, whether it's even hobbies and things that you want to do. And all of those things, probably you're going to be doing them and you need to be doing them, but they don't need to be running your life. So all of a sudden, you find that you're what I call behind the airplane. And so for me, I can't speak for you, but for me, that's a frustrating thing. Because I'm like in life, you know, the airplane it was too, because you're like, you know, you want to nail it and you're doing this and you're like, what? Everything I, you know, and you think, oh, it's just easy. Well, unto what you see, learn how to do it. It's much easier. But at the moment, you're just like, if you respond to what you see on that, like, okay, ooh, let's do this. You just overshot. It's too late. 
And so in life many times, we find ourselves responding to the circumstances rather making it, than making a decisive statement of faith of this is how I'm choosing to live and this is what I'm going to do with my day. In other words, people sometimes walk up, wake up in the morning. I'm, I'm teaching my different children this at different points. If they could all go through it on the same day, I don't know if it would be worse or better, but anyhow. <laughs> and so you're like, well, I don't feel like it's going to be a good day today. And so you got to teach them. If you're going to have success in life, you have to live by faith. In other words, what you believe about the power of your words and the power of God in your life for the day, that when you wake up and it seems like it's going to be a sad day, it's, uh, you know, why does that even happen? I don't even know. Anyhow, I guess there's a devil in the world. So you, it feels like, oh, it's going to be bad, da, 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 that you have to, with your words, create the day that you believe you should have. Like, today is going to be a good day. Oral Roberts used to wake up and say, something good is going to happen today. In other words, God is going to do a miracle today in my life. And when you approach life with that kind of faith, why is that faith? Well, because you can read in the Word of God and find out that God is a good God, Psalm 119, and he only does good. And then even Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance or more abundantly. And so we know that the Lord is good, and if we are his and he's inside of us, we should never have a blue day. We should never have a down day. We should never have a depressed day. But why do we have it? Well, because we're a three-part being, and we don't live out of the new person we are on the inside. We don't live because we have all of these Feelings like I feel hot, I feel cold. Like, is anybody cold in here? Is anybody hot in here? Is anybody okay? He's hot. I'm saying, is anybody going to respond in here? And so, I'm pretty good temperature, but my hands are cold right now. And so, if you re, if you live out of that, if you ever seen these, you know, you get sometimes in smaller churches where they have the thermostat control on the side of the. And if they have not instructed the ushers, even if they have, you notice what they do if they're smart is they put a little plastic lock box over that. Because what happens is, you know, and sometimes it's the leadership that's at fault. Because the pastor will be like, you know, it needs to be such, such temperature. And then the pastor's wife will say, hey, can you go change it such, such temperature? And then whoever has been there the longest, they say, well, I know they don't like this temperature. So they go and change this temperature. And so you find like people are going and they are setting the thermostat to what they want. Well, if everybody wants to do that in here, why don't we at least do it on our daily life and set the thermostat at what temperature we want our day to be? Because by default, it's, it's, it's just sitting on that little thermostat box over there waiting for someone to go and adjust. But if you don't adjust it in your own life, you know, you have the key in your own life to adjust it. You might not at the church. <laughs> but you have the key in your own life to adjust the temperature. So you set the atmosphere and you decide, and that is by faith. So let us fear uh, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached 
did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Did you hear that? The word preached didn't profit them, not being mixed with faith. Now, the margin of my Bible says, um, for not being mixed with faith, says because they were not united by faith to it. Because the word preached to them did not profit them, because they were not united, that there can be a word spoken, preached. What does that mean? Well, that means that there can be a word spoken from God And if you do not unite yourself or grab hold or or connect with or possess that word by your belief in God, which is turning to the Lord and by definition involves turning away from yourself and your self-confidence and other people and other things and other thoughts, if you do not grab hold of that word spoken by faith, You'll see it in the word of God and it will not profit you. And if you find yourself in that position, you know, Romans 10, 17 says, and we talked about this a little bit last week, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How can they know if it's not first preached if they don't hear, right? And so Faith is awakened by hearing the word of God. Faith is ignited by hearing the word of God we talked about last week, or activated, rather. I was going to add ignited. So this week I want to add faith is ignited. Like if you have a fuse on a firecracker and you light that fuse, it's ignited and something has begun. But the result that you're looking for, the fireworks in your life, you have not seen yet, but you know it's on the way. In fact, when I was a little kid, I don't remember, it was, uh, we found some old gunpowder, and uh, so we made a trail of gunpowder. And so we made a trail, and it was probably like, I don't know, 10 feet long, maybe 12 feet. And so we come make a trail, and we think, okay, that's far enough, and then we had a pile at the end of it. Well, this was old gunpowder. So it wasn't fresh. So I don't know what had happened to it. But in the movies, when they do that, they light it, and you can just follow it like this. Well, I wish I had a picture of myself, because in real life, apparently, if you take old gunpowder and you put a match to it, it all goes up at once. And your hair is singed, and it's quite an experience. It's very bright, very bright light. And you think, I'm going to watch it, but there's nothing to watch. Like, it's gone, and you're trying to see. It's like you just looked to stare at a bright light, and, you know, like, whatever, those rods and cones are still holding that. And so you close your eyes. You can still see the line, you know, but you never saw it, like, burn like that. And so faith is ignited by hearing the word of God. And the word of God there is the rhema of God. So it is the word that God makes tangible and real to you, that is revealed to you. What does that mean? That means the only way that that comes is not that you learn something or that you work something. It is given by God. It is revealed by God. And so what has to happen is you have to read the word with the Holy Spirit. 
And when you read the word and approach the word with, a, like you say, like your spiritual antenna up, you're kind of reaching out, reaching to God as you read the word and you meditate in that word. If you do that, all of a sudden, light is going to come. When that light comes, then your faith is in an activated state. And technically, we call it your faith because you are to possess it. Jesus said, have faith in God or possess the faith of God. But really, it's more accurately, lay hold on the faith of God. Lay hold on God's faith. So you're grabbing hold of his faith. You're entering into basically his kingdom and his realm. And when you enter into his kingdom and in his realm, you can have his kind of results. But if you're trying to work and do and work and do and work and do, even concerning faith, if you're trying to like, well, I'm going to have faith for this and I'm going to read 20 scriptures and, you know, and get this faith and get that faith. Do you know what? In an instant of time, as soon as you see what God said in your heart, in other words, it's revealed to you. Like the veil is tore for you in that. Rather than just knowing it in your head, faith is present or faith is activated or faith is ignited. Now all you have to do is act on that firm belief. Like, you know, like, I can't, I know you've, you've probably had it where the Lord spoke to you about something or you saw it in the word and you couldn't explain it many times except for, I just know. And prior to that, you were like having to deal with a lot of these thoughts and they had all this, this place. And so those thoughts are still there. We talked about head faith versus heart faith last week. You got all this head faith stuff saying, well, that won't work. You've tried that before. That never worked. But you just got something on the inside that says this is. It's more solid and more firm than any thought, any reason, any college course, any doctorate, dissertation. It is like solid ground to walk on and to live on and to live by. It is the substance of the thing that before you could only hope. But now it has, it's like maybe you can't physically see it, but it's as if you could touch it. And you're not even worried that you can't see it because you know it's coming. Because you are the believer, you're believing God. And when you believe God, he performs. He will perform the miracle in your life, in your situation. And so what has to happen, if you want to know, like, am I in faith about this or not? In other words, have I entered into fully trusting God in this area of my life? Well, are you worried about it? And worry will stop the hand of God. Casting all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. Worry a lot of, many times is based in fear. And God never comes with a message of like frightful fear. Now he comes with a message of you need to honor the Lord. You need to honor these things, that type of fear. But not a message of frightful fear. Fear not. Remember what Jesus said? I love this. Um, you know, was it the little girl, little boy that was there? I think it was a little girl. And he walked in, death all around, because this, this, this little girl was dead. I think it was uh, Tabitha. Anyhow, she's dead. He looked at the parents, and he saw the circumstance, and he said to them, he looked at them, and he said, fear not, only believe. Why? Even he couldn't raise her from the dead. They had authority if they're going to just let fear control the situation. 
So they responded, and then he went in with them out, and then he raised her from the dead. So I don't know what the situation is in your life, but I would tell you that Jesus himself would say, fear not, only believe. People have all kinds of situations, all kinds of things that happen in their life to where, you know, people get scared in the middle of the night. People, people think, oh, they feel something on top of them. They can't breathe. They can't, oh, this circumstance, that circumstance, this happens, this ha- that happens. Well, if you let fear grip you, fear will have the place. But he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I love that he said that. Because so many times fear comes with a disturbed mind, an unquieted mind, an anxious mind. And he said, fear not, only believe. If you believe, you will see the glory of the Lord. If you just believe. Fear not, only believe. But the word preached or ministered or brought to them did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. Now, sometimes you may have, uh, if you're living the life that the Lord had planned for you to live as a believer, it says, uh, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, a doctrine, revelation, interpretation, let everything be done unto edifying, speaking and admonishing one another, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. In other words, the believer is to be a supply to other believers. And so you're to have supernatural relationships, not just natural relationships where you go out and play golf or play ball or go riding or whatever you do, whatever you like to do, but you are actually to be a supply. And so, uh, you know, what can happen many times is uh, iron sharpens iron. You can have something, and you will if you kind of pay attention, for another believer that you're in relationship with. The ecclesia, the body of Christ, is really a study of supernatural relationships. And so we are to be in relationship with other believers. And there's some things that you will not get from God if you don't get it from the people that you're supposed to be in relationship with. That's the way it's going to come. A lot of people want to be an island under themselves, and I'm just going to go out in the woods, and there's where the Lord speaks to me. And he's going to just, just going to be me and the Lord, me and the Lord. No, Paul said, you know, you each have all different functions and the Spirit supplies the salve that makes everything go together. You know, when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you're a lot easier to get along with, and people look a lot better. Yeah, amen. Jude 20 says, keeping yourselves in the love of God, praying in the Holy Ghost. So if you're having trouble uh, walking in the love of God, you might pray in the Holy Ghost yeah. because your tongue needs to be hooked up with something besides uh, your flesh. Yeah. He needs to be hooked up with something from the inside. Well, faith, if I said like faith is a turning away from yourself and self-confidence and self-will, you know what that sounds a lot like to me? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 8. That you actually have to turn away. If you're going to love people with that kind of love, the love of God, that means you have to completely release and turn away from your self-interest and your self-will Regarding that situation, if I'm doing it with my wife, that means it's not what makes me feel good or satisfied or um, uh, confident, but it's what I can give up and do for her. 
God so loved that he gave. And so faith actually works by love. So faith actually works by giving up of your own self and your own desires and your own way. Let me see if I can uh, find this for you real quick in... um, because that was not in my notes, but I want to read it to you in Weiss translation here. If I can find it. I brought my Weiss translation right here. Didn't add extra weight. First Corinthians 13. And I'm going to read um, verse 1 through 3 in Weiss translation. If in the languages of men I speak and in the languages of angels, but do not have love. This is, this is the part I want to read to you. The Greek word here used of God's love produced in the heart of the yielded saint by the Holy Spirit. A love that impels one to deny himself for the sake of the loved one. In other words, if you're letting the love of God dominate you, you know, remember when Paul said, the love of Christ constraineth us because we judge thus if one died, then we're all dead. But the love of Christ constrains. So if you're born again, you have the love of God in your heart, but you may not be responding to that love because you may be responding to thoughts and feelings that you have in the flesh. But the word preached didn't profit them not being mixed with faith or united. They weren't united to that word preached by faith. They were probably trying to connect with that word preached by what they felt like, trying to say, well, I feel like I love my wife, so I love my wife. You know, it's like um, if you've ever done uh, any counseling with uh, couples before they get married, uh, you know, man, you really need the Spirit of God in those meetings. (laughs) Because no matter what you try to say, they are the most beautiful person I have ever seen. And their heart is so wonderful. And I know other people would do that, but they would never do that. They are just so amazing. And so my favorite thing in premarital counseling is a fight. Because then I know, okay, maybe they're actually seeing the truth. Because <laughs> then I can, you know, you like to see how they respond and you can help them, uh, direct them towards the word. Uh, for we which, verse 3, for we which have believed, listen to this. It doesn't say, for we which are new creatures. It says, we which have believed, which if you believe, you will be a new creature. Um, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Well, there's a lot of people that are new creatures, but these signs don't follow them because they don't believe in them. It's like the fellow I told you about before where said we had a discussion about healing. And he said, uh, you know, if healing is true, how come I don't see any healings? And I said, does your church preach that healing is for today? He said, no. I said, does your church pray for people to be healed in the services or after the services or at all? No. And I said, well, then why would you expect to see it? And the man was very honest. He said, huh, I never thought of that. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he speaks in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God 
did rest the seventh day from all his works. And this, uh, in this place again, if you will enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered in not, why? Because of unbelief. Again, he limits a certain day saying to David today, after so long time, as it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. I don't really have time to go into that. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remains therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into rest has also ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us therefore labor. All right? So this is where you're not supposed to rest. Let us therefore work or labor to enter into that rest. <laughs> Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Do you know when you're in unbelief that you're not at rest? That you don't have assurance? That you don't have confidence? That you're unsure of the situation? And man, when I've been unsure of situations and I haven't you know, been acting on the word in situations, boy, there's a lot of turmoil. I, oh, is this going to turn out right? Is this not going to turn out right? Is this, is this the right thing? Is this not the right thing? And, you know, it's a sure sign that you're not uh, living by faith. You're not living by your trust in the Lord. Verse 12, for the word of God is quick or alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Thank God for the word. Thank God he put that in the scripture and made it a reality and that it really came forth from the realm of God into the realm of the spoken and then into the realm of the written so that we could act upon it. In other words, he is telling us, you know, funny I mentioned um, premarital counseling because one of the times when you see people have the most difficulty hearing from God is in romantic relationships. And I always take them to that verse right there. The word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder soul and spirit. Why is that? Well, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and your emotions may really like that person, but your spirit may be like, no way. That's not the right place. That's not the right person. And uh, the only way, if you're having trouble to discern between those two, is you get in the word it'll penetrate and it'll help you distinguish, is this the real me or is this just an unrenewed mind? Is this the real me or is this just a really strong emotion? You gotta, you gotta receive the word in order to know that so many times, especially when it comes uh, to romantic relationships uh, because um, people get into areas where they're responding from their flesh and from their emotions many times more than responding from their spirit. That's why it's actually important when you're in a, a relationship like that that you always follow your spirit and you don't put the flesh first or emotions first. 
In other words, well, I, I like him because he makes me feel good about myself and, and this and that. And you can be very emotionally drawn, emotionally connected, and those emotions uh, can be very fickle and uh, they don't have a lot of depth to them. But if you respond by your spirit, you know, and you may be already uh, uh, married and so you know who you're romantically uh, involved with um, or you were married, but the same thing is true of any relationship, whether it's a business partner, whether it's, uh, you know, not to be so, too sober, but we live in trying days in the world. And, uh, you know, the Holy Ghost can tell you if you're not responding by just unrenewed mind and emotions, don't go on that trip with that person. Or let's do it one that's better. Don't let your children over at their house. Anyhow, it applies. The word of God is, is good. Verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. In other words, the Lord knows all these things, and he knows your heart. And he can help you if you get on his territory, and the word is his territory. He can help you find out what is right and what is his way in every situation. Verse 14, seeing them that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession or our confession. Seeing then we have one as Jesus himself, who is our high priest. He's taking the things that we say and he is repeating them to the Father. The things that we say that are according to him and according to his word. We might as well just finish up and then we'll close out the service. For we have a high priest, we, have, we don't have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities or our inabilities to produce results, but was in all points tempted like we are. So we are all tempted, whether you uh, want to admit it or not. We all have temptations, yet without sin. Let us, therefore, because we're all tempted and because we have a tendency to not enter into rest, let us all, therefore, come boldly, not timidly, not like we don't deserve it, not like we're, we're, we're mess-ups and failures. No, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You don't need mercy if you didn't mess up. Mercy is given that you deserve this penalty. You deserve to have this happen to you. You deserve to not be able to enter into rest because you did this or because you were supposed to do this and you didn't do it. Mercy comes in that situation and says, this is what you did, but look at what I did. Amen. What he did is so much greater. And that's where we talk about the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood. You come with nothing but the blood, and you're going to get everything that the blood purchased for you. Stand with me if you would. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. We thank you for his life that was given up for us, his life that was given up that we could have your life, 
that we could come into your family, that we could have relationship with you. Father, I pray for each and every one of us. Father, that you will speak to us even right now. In our lives, Father, look at our lives and help us to see and help us to know areas where we are not at rest, where we're not fully trusting you. Father, thank you for your plan, that you plan for us a life of love and a life of power and a life of victory and a life of dominion over all of the works of the enemy and over every circumstance. Father, I pray for each one here for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Father, that we don't walk through life not knowing, wondering, but we walk through life with boldness, confidence, and assurance in you and in your word. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you'd like prayer for anything this morning, we'd love to pray with you and for you. We can agree with you and lay hands on you. Whatever the situation is in your life, Jesus paid the price that you could be set free, that you don't have to live under the yoke, under the weight, under the dominion of anything except for the Word of God. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and there is liberty. If you'd like prayer for anything this morning, just come forward and we'd love to pray with you and for you.